Welcome to Making Resilience Cool, a podcast based on the resilience advantage, a 12-episode series created by the U.S. Resiliency Council with the generous support of Optimum Seismic. The program addresses what resilience means to our communities, businesses, and governments here and around the world. I am your host, Audrey Liu, a student at Cal Poly Slow and an aspiring architectural engineer. Working with the host of the series, Evan Reese, the executive director of the USRC, I've been deep diving into the rich archive of interviews with special guests from various fields, such as business leaders, community leaders, architects, engineers, and experts in sustainability, sharing their insights on the importance of resilient design. Come along with me on my journey in learning more about resilient design and why it is so important in all of our lives. Episode 9, Long-Term Thinking Would you rather receive $1 million or a penny that doubles every day for a month, Evan? That's a great question, Audrey. Well, if I couldn't wait a whole month and needed the money in a week, sure, I'd take the million dollars. But I bet if I were more patient, it would be better to wait the whole month, don't you think? If you think about it in the long term, a penny doubled every day for a month adds up to a little over $5 million. Aaron Gross is the Chief Resilience Officer for the City of Los Angeles. He leads the resilience efforts for a city that's been around for 240 years. He knows a thing or two about patience and how to have a long-term mindset. Cool. Aaron Gross. So my name is Aaron Gross. Aaron, tell me what you do. I'm the Chief Resilience Officer for the City of Los Angeles. I base out of the Mayor's Office of Public Safety, and my job is to implement the resilient strategy of Los Angeles, which is really uh, a guiding document to make for a more resilient city, to make a city that is more prepared to deal with, uh, more prepared, that is more able to deal with, and is more able to recover from any shock or stress that may present itself to the, to the City of Los Angeles, whether it be acute or gradual, whether it be human-made or whether it be a natural disaster. So let's say a giant earthquake hits Los Angeles. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? So in an emergency, a giant earthquake, uh, it's really about who is able to help protect you, who's able to help save your life. And while we have amazing first responders, uh, really the people that are going to save your life are going to be your neighbors. How do you, as Chief Resilience Officer of Los Angeles, ensure the safety of the community? And so we focus a lot on community resilience, on community preparedness, on knowing what kind of challenges, what kind of vulnerabilities you might have in your community, what neighbors might have that are assets. So who's got a generator or who is disabled or who might have extra food as a way to help neighborhoods prepare together. In addition to families needing to prepare and have their own plans, neighborhoods also need to work together. And so we work not only with our emergency management department and our fire department, we have various programs to help communities and help neighbors and help families prepare and be able to deal with and recover from an emergency and earthquake that may happen. That's a good aspect to point out. Residents also need to play their part in contributing to the resilience of their neighborhood. How about businesses? How can they keep their employees and customers safe? So businesses, there's a number of different ways. There are structural ways, uh, in ways to strengthen your building to make sure that it's less likely to fall down or have damage during an earthquake. But there's also non-structural ways, not only for having a plan for your employees and your customers if the earth shakes, but also being aware of what's inside your building that may be a threat, either a threat to uh, hurting people or a threat to causing economic damage to your business. How can the city incentivize businesses to have a plan for their employees and customers? 
and think more long-term to consider resilience? Well, we actually, so in a, we can do a number of things. There are uh, requirements that the city can make and we have on certain businesses to require them to retrofit and be stronger. But we also create partnerships or participate in partnerships with a lot of amazing organizations, seismic, uh, seismic companies with information companies, other government agencies that will help either incentivize um, the protection or the creation of, of emergency plans and seismic safety or ways that we can uh, just convince people uh, what some of the damage might be, what some of the downsides might be, what some of the economic uh, repercussions might be for not preparing ahead of time. Oh, yes. Partnerships. But choosing resilience by being prepared would ultimately protect businesses from completely shutting down after a natural disaster hits, right? Uh, the economic viability of a city is essential. And whenever we have a, a major shock or stress like an earthquake, economic challenges follow. And so by being prepared and by being aware of what vulnerabilities you as a business might have uh, may make it uh, more likely that you are able to continue to do business, continue to be able to pay your employees, continue to be able to serve your customers. What exactly is long-term thinking in the context of structures? I think long-term thinking is exactly the, the change that we need to have. Businesses often always look at the bottom line. And so what you need to spend to accomplish goal A is always the question. But if you look long term and see, I can invest a little bit now and long term, it's going to save me a, a ton of money or be able to protect my business. That's really the shift that we're, we're talking about that we want to convince people to understand. We want people to exist with a lens of resilience, a way to look at everything with a long term uh, long-term view to be able to be aware and make efficient decisions now that will hopefully not only be a cost-benefit, but will save property and save lives in the long-term. Hmm. I noticed that the sustainability movement has grown immensely over the past decade, especially in Los Angeles. Isn't there a lot of overlap between resilience and sustainability? Absolutely. There's a lot of overlap between resilience and sustainability. In fact, with the city's resilience plan and the city's sustainability plan, there is a ton of overlapping goals. And those goals can can make for a more efficient city, make a more resilient city and a more sustainable city. Can you give an example of how these goals overlap? As an example, if we have the ability for businesses to be able to function after an earthquake by employees being able to telecommute, then that's a way that businesses, business can continue at the same time, maybe minimize the amount of air pollution we're putting in the air by way of the cars that they would have otherwise taken to, taken to work. Uh, there are other ways that we, we focus on the environment that will provide uh, a more sustainable and more resilient city. By strengthening and by making a more efficient water and energy system, it makes for a more resilient city, makes for more resilient businesses, and hopefully in the long run will make uh, a more resilient community and city on the whole. Let's talk about numbers. What are the long-term benefits of resilience? I've heard that the cost for retrofitting a building is nominal compared to the cost of rebuilding. Sure, absolutely. Uh, the the numbers associated with retrofitting a building are minor compared to the cost it would take to replace a building. And so that's the kind of long-term thinking that we need to incorporate into our business thinking. Uh, we know that a major earthquake is going to happen. And so if we know that that shock or stress is going to happen, even though we can't predict when it's going to come, we can at least prepare ourselves and take steps now that are cost effective that will prevent us from having to replace things or to rebuild uh, when, when, the, when the shock does come. How about businesses? 
What are the benefits for a business owner who invests in retrofitting their storefront? So first and foremost, in emergency preparedness, we look for protecting life safety. We make we need to make sure that we protect life. Once we figure that out, if we figure that out, then we need to be able to protect property. We need to be able to protect jobs. When we have a major shock and the economic challenges come, we need people to be able to be employed, not only so the economy can so the economy can work and people can get goods and services, but so people can get a paycheck and be able to pay their rent and be able to pay for groceries. And so if we have this lens of resilience and businesses are thinking long term about not only their employees and their customers, but also about the future of their business, then we will have more resilient city. We'll be able to weather any shock or stress, weather an earthquake, and be able to bounce back and recover uh, more quickly. What do you think the key is to moving people towards greater resilience? Uh, so resilience is really a community effort. We as a city, I as a city, the mayor as a city, can't do it all alone. It really takes partnerships and resilience really builds on itself. In fact, the Resilient LA strategy uh, has various chapters and they step up from si step up in size of, of of who it affects. We talk about the family and how a family can be more resilient. We talk about a neighborhood and how it can be more resilient, but also a community in general, the city in general, and then the region, the state, and they all play on each other. It's the domino effect again. Small efforts can lead to more and more resilience in the community in the future. The more resilient an individual is, the more resilient their family is. And then the more aware they are, the more ready they are. If they have a plan in place to, to take care of their family, if they know that their family is safe, then maybe they can go to work and figure out how to, how to continue to provide a paycheck for their family, a paycheck for their employees. And it really does all rely on each other. And not only that, when businesses are able to continue, then they're able to continue to pay taxes to the city, which go towards police and fire and emergency services and fixing the roads. And it really is important when we think about long-term resilience to think about the economic consequences of earthquakes and how that's going to affect not only individuals and families, but how it's going to affect businesses and city and society in general. Optimum Seismic made the Resilience Advantage series possible. What has your experience been partnering with them? So Optimum Seismic is an amazing partner. And a lot of the work that I do in resilience is, is bringing partners together or working with partners. The city can only do so much by itself. And it really takes everybody and all, uh, all types of entities to help make a resilient city. Optimum Seismic not only does work specifically on buildings to help buildings, uh, the structure of buildings be stronger, uh, be seismically retrofitted, but they also have taken it upon themselves to help organize a coalition of business organizations and community organizations to work together to not only provide resources, but also to outreach to people so they can understand how they can be more safe, how they can be more resilient, and where they can get resources to do the work that needs to be done. Aaron's interview really resonated with me because I grew up in L.A. County. Hearing about his efforts to move resilience to the forefront hits close to home. We need more people like Aaron. Even if they're not chief resilience officers of one of the largest cities in the world, smaller cities and towns, businesses, universities, all should be investing in strategies to make their communities more resilient. Cool. So who's going to be our next interview? When it comes to investing in resilience, not every city or business owner or family has the resources that Los Angeles can bring to bear. 
That's why it's important to look at all the tools we have available to make resilience doable. Lori Schumann, the Director of Climate and Sustainability for Enterprise Community Partners, is an expert in finding and using tools to turn resilience from a good idea into success. Great, looking forward to it. For more resources and information about Aaron Gross and the implementation of the Resilience Strategy in the City of Los Angeles, or for links to the Resilience Advantage series, check out our website. Thanks for joining me and listening to Making Resilience Cool, a podcast based on the 12 episode Resilience Advantage series created by the USRC with the generous support of Optimum Seismic. Join me next time as I delve more deeply into the incredible archive of interviews from that series with engineers, architects, innovators, business leaders, and community leaders talking about everything you could possibly want to learn about what resilience really means. Next episode, I'll be deep diving into the Resilience Advantage interview with Lori Schumann, the National Director for Climate and Sustainability at Enterprise Community Partners.